Three guys in a flick podcast. Hey, Don, Ken, and John. This is Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Casper Van Dien. You guys are going to do a review of Starship Troopers. Definitely give it three bugs up. Hope you guys have a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. This is for all you new people. I only have one rule. Everybody fights. No one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself. Welcome to the Roughnecks. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Starship Troopers. Beware. Spoilers. Coming to you from a military base on Clanduth. Oh, shit. You hear that? The bugs are coming. We got to do this quick. Uh, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Kill him. Kill them all. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing not too bad. Not too bad. What about you there, guy? How are you doing? I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? It's a brand new year. It is a brand new year, and tonight we are starting off with Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers comes to us from one of our listeners, Ashley P. She graciously put it into the Bronco helmet for us last year, I think, and Professor, you pulled it out. Um, have had, Pulled it out. <laughs> this fucking guy already starting. Professor, it's okay. Quit shaking your head. Um, Professor, had you seen Starship Troopers? Yeah, I've seen Starship Troopers several times. And do you like Starship Troopers? It's a guilty pleasure. Yeah? Excellent. Uh -huh. Yeah. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, comic book, I have you... What am I saying? Of course you've seen Starship Troopers. Let's see. Spaceships, aliens, big guns, and boobs? Yeah, you've seen it. Boobs. <laughs> What about you? Uh, yes, I too have seen Starship Troopers. So, yeah. I just feel like this is the perfect date movie. Interesting take. It has all the elements. Which are? Romance, intrigue. Eviscerations. You know, happy endings. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Uh, but now, maybe, I will see it in a whole new light. I'm assuming, and we all know what happens when I assume... Uh, Ashley put this into the Bronco helmet because she likes this movie or she just wants to hear us review it. So that being said, Ashley, I hope we do this movie justice and enjoy. Released on November 7th, 1997, Starship Troopers was directed by Paul Verhoeven, written by Edward Neumeyer, based on the book Starship Troopers by Robert H. Heinlein. And it stars Casper Van Dyne, Dina Meyer, Denise Richards, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Patrick Muldoon, Michael Ironside, and a bunch of other arachnids. How do you not include Clancy Brown? I'm just going by with what I'm reading, so when you direct that question, look across the table. How do you not include Clancy Brown? He wasn't listed in Wikipedia where I grabbed it from, but you're absolutely right. I will take the flogging. <laughs> there you go. Let down on this, son. It helps. I know. One! Two! Three! 
sir, how'd this movie do? Sir. Sir, this movie was made for $110 million and brought in $121 million, sir. I found that surprising when I first looked that up to show that it did not do well early at the box office. And I guess it's because people didn't get that it was supposed to be a satirical look at war and fascism and all that. And they thought it was actually a a pro-war, pro-army kind of recruitment type film. It only made $54 million in the box office. Oh, that year. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was a flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, they say that about the war propaganda pro and versus. However, it's just not that good of a movie. And, you know, 1997. Well, you have the number one grossing and the number two grossing movies that year are creature features. Which were, sir? Men in Black. Men in Black grossed uh, worldwide. 250 million and then you have the lost world jurassic park at number two and it made 229 million worldwide oh there you go going up against spielberg twice so yeah you know it's funny that you say that this was not a great movie it was not a well-made movie uh when i first saw it i would agree with you 100 percent. it's just action gore uh kind of an over-the-top just movie that's fun to watch but not the best acting not the best writing. Uh, you know, the CGI is great, but it's not the most believable movie. Now that I go back, you know, and I never thought about it the first time I saw it, of the messages that the director and the writers were putting into this movie about fascism, about war, I kind of see the movie in a different light and kind of appreciate it for what the director was going for. So I actually think it was a well-made movie. Oh. By the subtle hints that... Uh, I'll actually read something. In a 2014 interview on the Adam Carolla show, Michael Ironside asked the director Paul Verhoeven, who grew up in a Nazi-occupied Netherlands, why are you making a right-wing fascist movie? To which Verhoeven replied, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, then no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a, the perfect fascist world Everything is beautiful. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for fucking killing bugs. And I thought, you know what? When you break it down, that's really what he did. And that's why I kind of appreciate this movie in a brand new light. The writer, Edward Neumeyer, he is also the writer for RoboCop. And for the most part, I feel like I could see a lot of parallels with the sardonic humor the uh, the over-the-top gore that we get in Starship Troopers as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially, too, the, the little news segments, the way they intersperse that in. I kind of felt that vibe, that RoboCop vibe as well. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Paul Verhoeven uh, and RoboCop, do you guys have a favorite movie directed by him? Showgirls. Show well, of course, Showgirls. I think out of all of those, uh, Total Recall or RoboCop would probably be my favorite. Uh, yeah, same here. You know, I, I felt like that that's kind of sort of his sweet spot was Total Recall because you had RoboCop in 87, you had Total Recall in 1990, and you had Basic Instinct in 92. That was, I feel like that was probably his high point. 
And I, I do like Starship Troopers, which is, you know, 1997. And I, I never watched Hollow Man, you know, the Kevin Bacon Invisible Man story. I, did, did either of you guys ever see that one? I think I saw it way back when, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I've seen it a couple times, and I think in that movie, Kevin Bacon does a good job playing a villain, but it's not the most memorable movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, of, of his movies, I would probably lean towards RoboCop. It's just uh, just such a different take on a movie that it really stands out to me. Let's talk about this cast a little bit. Casper Van Dyne. What did you guys think of him in the role of Johnny Rico? I thought he was passable. When you look at the cast and everyone who's in it, the only ones that really kind of have done anything are Denise Richards, Neil Patrick Harris, Michael Ironside, and Clancy Brown. Casper Van Dyne, I think at the time in the 90s, was trying to be one of the next action heroes. But I think where his strength lies uh, is in his jawline. So he does go on to become a B-movie action hero. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's had a pretty good career as far as careers go. The way I feel is the director was basically on the budget of an A-listed movie was trying to make, you know, a traditional B-rated movie. And I bet you, if anything, if we were to talk to Casper... Uh, he was encouraged to really ham it up, to really just play this part of a guy who's, you know, naive in the beginning and, you know, really into the military and all that. And just because he was really going for the satirical look at the military, almost making fun of the military a little bit. So I, I think he probably really pushed Casper Van Dyne to ham it up. And if that was the case, I thought he did a good job with that, with that role. It doesn't make the acting better. No, and I don't think this movie was going for any kind of acting awards. I think they purposely tried to overact it. Yeah, but the acting has to be able to hold you to the story. Yeah. So, at least that, that's how I see it. Do you have any? What do you think there, bud? You, this is the only movie that I know him for. So, I, I, I can't compare him to anything else, but I thought he was fine in this. Yeah. What about Denise Richards? What did you guys think of Carmen? I didn't think of much of her in this movie. She just kind of played this monotone character who the motions really didn't change until like the end of the movie, you know, when she had her few scenes at the end. Otherwise, she was just off doing her own thing. Oh, yeah. I have never thought that she was a great actress by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Eye candy, maybe? She was offered a new scene. In fact, the director pushed her to do a nude scene, but it wasn't in the initial contract. For her to do it, he wanted to do, her lo- do a love scene that was added later. She didn't think it added to the story, so she refused to do it. Right, right. Uh, what do you think? Denise Richards, she's really pretty to look at. But other than that, you know, she's just a uh, she's just a standard character. Yeah. I thought Dina Meyer didn't do a horrible job. I and mean, yes, her acting, you know, is just like on par with almost everybody else. But... Her nonverbal cues throughout the movie of looking at Johnny Rico and kind of being off in the distance. If you watched her in the distance, kind of longing towards him, you got what she was, you know, the impression. Or you, you understood what she was trying to say without saying anything. So I thought her nonverbal cues were really well done in this movie. Well, there you go. Do you have any opinion on her? Uh, I thought she was fine. I, I was trying to think what else I knew her from, but I couldn't come up with it. She was in Saw. Saw 3, I think. Two. Um, was it two? Okay. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, She's done a few things here and there. Yeah. And, you know, the boner she has over Johnny uh, is com- very obvious. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, what happened happens. Mm-hmm. So, 
I don't know. She's all right. I I have no opinions about her. I don't know. I don't know her from anything else. I don't. I don't know Casper, Dina, uh, Jake from anything else. Right. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, one of his first uh, adult roles, I guess. You know, he's coming off of Doogie. Uh, goes on to do How I Met Your Mother. I'm a big NPH fan. What did What do you guys think of him in this role? Underutilized. Completely, I, mean, I agree with you. He seemed to play a good, I guess, uh, what they were going for a Nazi, but with the black leather jacket, yeah, he, he totally looked like a Nazi. Well, that was on purpose. The director, well, yeah. was trying to give them outfits that looked like Nazi uniforms. Yeah, but uh, we didn't get enough of him. Like, you know, he's so good. I think in so many other roles and so many other movies, that at this point you don't even get a feel for how his acting is. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, John. That he's underutilized. Because his uh, his charisma on screen works. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then, you know, rounding out the Roughnecks, you got uh, Gary Busey's kid, Jake Busey, who looks, looks just, just like him. Right? He was a passable side character, uh, buddy, tag along type looked, of character. He actually learned to play the violin for this movie. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one of the things I kind of scratched my head about. You have this big thing of... Uh, recreational supplies and a violin is in there. Mm -hmm. But, hey, 2197, what are you going to do? Um, And then you have Michael Ironside. Which you can't go wrong with Michael Ironside. But I guess technically you can because does he ever play a different role? No. That's who Michael Ironside is. It's, he's always that. I mean, when you watched him in the V series and uh, Total Recall and any other movie... Just always that kind of same character. Yeah, yeah. He's he is that character, and I buy him in that character. And he was one of the high points in this movie yeah, for me. He does this, it well. Yeah, he, he's great. Uh, him and Clancy Brown. Speaking of which, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I forgot he was in it, and uh, I thought he did great. But he's always a great kind of brute. I'm a kick your ass kind of guy. I I think I I love Clancy Brown and just about everything he's been in. Sure, sure. Clancy Brown's awesome. Yeah, I, I I totally love him as the as the drill sergeant. Yeah, so good. We almost got, I guess, Mark Wahlberg as Rico. I'm so glad we did not. And then because uh, Verhoeven does Basic Instinct, you almost get Michael Douglas as Mr. Rashak. That yeah. could have been a different take. I could almost see that of a, a younger Michael Douglas kind of playing that role. A little bit. A little bit, you know, yeah. age, or uh, roughing him up a little, you know, but, be that roughneck guy. But I still think Ironside would have done a better job. Agreed. He does do a better well, job. Well, he does. Yeah. Then, yeah. Agreed. So this comes from, we mentioned earlier, comes from a book version. I'm guessing neither of you have ever read the book. I've, did you read the book? No, I did not. Okay. But I did read enough about the book that I understand uh, some little elements about it. This movie was meant to be, as we said, it's supposed to be kind of looking at the overtop idea of fascism and why it's wrong and what it could lead to and all the problems in society it could lead to without throwing it in your face. The book was just the opposite. It was to basically say that this country needs more fascism and a lot of people accused it of being... Uh, propaganda to get people to join the army and the author originally felt that citizens were too lazy for the rights that they are allowed and that really only people who serve the country should have any rights in this country so the that it's interesting that they took a book from that perspective and turned it into almost the opposite of 
kind of saying that we need less fascism. Uh, there were some differences between the book and the movie. No way. Yeah, there there were just a few. I mean, a lot of it kind of, they're saying still the same story of the bugs. That happens? That never happens. Books yeah. are different than movies? But Dizzy was a boy. Oh, wow. There, there was no relationship with Carmen. She was just everybody's friend. <laughs> Everyone's friend. Um, and one of the interesting thought or parts of the book I thought was interesting was uh, in the beginning, just like in the movie, uh, Rico's father doesn't want him to join the army. But after Buenos Aires gets bombed, Rico's father joins the army and serves under Rico. Well, there you go. So this movie was up for a couple of awards uh, at the Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects, uh, but it lost to Titanic, as everything did that year. And wasn't it nominated for Worst Movie of the Year? Yeah, some award like Stinker of the Year. And what did it lose to? Batman and Robin. You know what? I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I'll watch me some Batman and Robin. But it has Uma as Poison Ivy. Mm -hmm. Yes, please, and thank you. The three guys asked Casper Van Dien to share an experience from the set of Starship Troopers. Here's what he had to say. You know, there was one day I was out on the set and I was working with uh, Paul Verhoeven. I could look over. There's 1,400 extras and it was uh, the big drops ship sequence and we were out in uh, Hell's Half Acre near Casper, Wyoming. And I looked over and behind the camera, there is Paul Verhoeven, the director of Robocop, Ed Newmeyer, the writer of Robocop, John Davison, the producer of Robocop, and Phil Tippett, the visual effects genius, super genius, behind Robocop. And I was looking and I was thinking, God, I'm, my name is number one on the call sheet, and Peter Weller was number one on Robocop, so <gasps> I'm Murphy. And I'd buy that for a dollar. I'm grateful that you guys are doing a review for it. I can't wait to see. Tag me. I'll retag and post it if it's positive. If it's not, I'm going to fucking hunt you guys down and kill you. Because that's what I do. I'm just known for that murder. Because I'll just think you guys are bugs. Fresh meat for the grinder. Thanks again to Johnny Rico. We appreciate it. As many of you heard last week, I won the Master of Movie Trivia for the year 2023. So I will be taking over as Game Master for this year so you both are now at my mercy i will be asking you five questions five questions only a lot of the questions are multiple points so you know keep that in mind and please wait until i finish asking the question and please put away all your notes that just happened question number one what is the name of the bug's home planet Kalathu. ah point to john Question number two. This isn't the first Michael Ironside movie we've reviewed. Name the other character's name he's played and in what movie. We haven't done Total Recall. What other movie have we done with him in? I got nothing. Having a clue. Jester. Top Gun. Question number three. Clancy Brown has been in two other movies we've reviewed. For a point each, name them. Well, we haven't done Highlander, damn it. He keeps telling us what we haven't done. I'm just mm -hmm. going through my head. I know. <laughs> well, I can only think of one. Well, say it so you get the point. Shawshank. That's one. I forgot we did Shawshank. Did we do Pet Cemetery? No. The answer is A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. Question number four. Isabel Flores is in love with Johnny. What is her nickname 
And what was her rank slash position when she died? Dizzy and she was a corporal? Dizzy, yes. Corporal, no. Anything? Private. No, she was the squad leader. Yeah, he promoted her up right before she died. That's right. All right, final question. Who captured the brain bug, and what was his rank when he did it? Private. Private. All right, I'll give you a tie for both of those. Well done, boys. Five questions up, five questions down. John, you were the winner this week as you edged out the professor by one point. Congratulations, John. The only good bug is a dead bug. In the 23rd century, Earth is governed by the United Citizen Federation, a stratocratic regime founded generations earlier by veterans after democracy and social science brought civilization to the brink of ruin. Citizenship is exclusively earned through federal service, which grants rights like voting and procreation that are withheld from ordinary civilians. Humans, who are now spacefaring, conduct colonization missions throughout the galaxy, bringing them into conflict with a race of highly evolved insectoid creatures dubbed arachnids, or derisively bugs. Against his parents' objections, teenage jock Johnny Rico enlists as a mobile infantryman to remain close to his girlfriend, spaceship pilot Carmen Ibanez. Their psychic friend Carl Jenkins joins military intelligence, while Isabel Dizzy Flores, who is in love with Johnny, deliberately transfers to his squad. Eventually, Carmen ends her relationship with Rico due to their diverging career paths and her growing feelings for her fellow pilot Xander Barcolo. During training, Rico impresses Drill Sergeant Zim, earning a promotion to squad leader, However, a mistake in a training exercise leads to the death of a squad member and the resignation of another, resulting in Rico's demotion and flogging. Disheartened, Rico quits but re-enlists after learning that an asteroid sent by the Arachnids has destroyed Buenos Aires, killing millions, including his parents. Would you like to know more? All right, so this movie starts off with a opening narration or a recruitment video, as I kind of like to... Think of it. What'd you guys think of this whole bit? And just black screen, white letters on black, Starship Troopers. Here we go. I kind of appreciated the opening. It just got us right in there real quick, told us what we needed to know. Uh, it took me a sec, I think the first time when I watched it, to realize that we were in the future a little bit and then jumping back because I didn't think I caught that, you know, when that uh, reporter is talking, when they actually go to the planet side and show that attack on the planet. And the porter's talking that it was Rico who ran in. And, you know, all of a sudden everything went to chaos. I, you know, I had to watch it, I think, a second time before that clicked. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those movies where it starts and then comes full circle, mm-hmm. like, toward the end of the movie. Yeah, because uh, right after the news clips are done, then it says one year earlier. And we are introduced to the characters, <laughs> these high school students. Did you get the impression of, of one of the things the director was going for was 90210 in space? Very much so. I, I think because of the production design, it looked like 90210. It was bright, bright colors, the teens running around the hallways. Yeah. I, I was thinking the love triangle thing, too. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I mean, even Carl, I don't know if you caught it, but in one scene kind of went for a kiss with Carmen and she turned her head. So even he had a thing for Carmen. Oh, I think everybody there had a thing for Carmen. Mm-hmm. I never watched any Beverly Hills. Oh, you were missing out. Uh, definitely. 90210? Fuck yeah. 
But what do you think of like the classroom scenes and everything uh, with the teacher kind of talking up the army and everything had labels on it from the military and. Oh, sure. We're introduced to Michael Ironside's character. He's a teacher. We see that he's an amputee and he doesn't have uh, much of his right arm left. He asks Rico, you know, what does it mean to be a citizen? And he gives him a textbook answer. And he, Michael Ironside looks at him and he says, what does that really mean to you? And Rico naturally doesn't really know, right? I think that Rico as a character is infatuated with Carmen. And if she says jump, he will say how high. Mm-hmm. They move along and we get to science class. Did you guys recognize who the teacher was? No, but I saw that she had scarring on her face and, and she was probably blind. Yeah. Uh, Rue McClanahan. Oh, Blanche from the Golden Girls. I wondered that. Yeah. I just thought it was funny that if you notice, they're dissecting those giant bugs. And in the end of the movie, uh, that's the what the ones that are helping to kill Carmen or trying to kill Carmen. Uh, we are then introduced to Neil Patrick Harris, and they are doing their best to recreate the scene from Ghostbusters. Uh, what do you guys think of this introduction? It just felt a little silly to me. A little bit, like yeah. there are like there's really psychics out there. Yeah, they just had to throw out there. They had to throw something in to tell us that he's psychic and that he's not going to play a big role in this movie. Yeah. Well, he does at the end. Yeah, he does at the end. I think they were trying to kind of give us the idea of here's this really innocent looking guy who's going to become kind of one of the hardest guys in the end. Eh, maybe. I uh, send I, people I, to die I, all the time. I, I just take it as he was going to be top military because yeah. he was super smart and a psychic and, you know, that that would come around. I just figured being psychic, he could just read everybody's minds and know the test answers. So you, you it didn't matter think. if he was smart or not. Yeah, you would think. Okay, but he doesn't necessarily impress me, the fact that he can't make Rico visualize what he is trying to tell him. Right, but he does the cards. But he does send Cyrano up to mom. Sure, the, yeah. No. But that could be trained, right? If you think about it, not being him being psychic, but he's trained the animal to do that. That The whole point of, I think, that was to show how his powers are growing. Because remember, he said, I can't do it yet. But in the end of the movie, he does direct rico psychically Mm -hmm. so what would they call that i don't know oh weird now we're under the football game oh my god if i if i ever jump ball if i have if i have a problem with this movie it all starts right here and it's not because of the sport and it's not even because of the acting or the athletes it's the size of the fucking field just tiny it's the size of my basement well, it's supposed to be gymnastics combined with football. Whatever it's supposed to be does not make up for the fact that the field is fucking tiny and it takes me out of it every fucking time. And whenever Rico gets excited and he screams, they do something to the audio that it brings it way down. Mm-hmm. So his woohoo's kind of sound like this. Woohoo! Do you know what it instantly reminded me of? What's that? American Gladiator. <laughs> you know with the little silver balls and oh the buckets sure and yeah the... hey there's this great documentary on netflix about i've watched it. it yeah 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 um what'd you think of the game there guy uh it was funny but you know it was just so we could have our antagonist and barcolo being introduced to us right because who who doesn't stop to flirt with someone during the game did you know that uh in the scene where dina meyer uh smacks casper van dean upside the head she really surprised him and and smacked him. He didn't know it was coming. Oh, no, I didn't so know that. So that was a genuine reaction in the movie. Nice. And so it's prom night, and we also get a chance to meet Rico's parents, 
and we find out that uh, dad is firmly against him joining the Federation or whatever, and you will go to school, and you will, you know, lead a normal life. Speaking of foreshadowing, did you get what something that his father says to him? Yeah, I didn't get it until later on. Because uh, you don't get it when you first watch it. Yeah, because he said, I'd rather take 10 lashes than join the military. Right. And it turns out that Rico does, in fact, get 10 lashes. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a typical trope in movies. You know, the father's against it. The mom's playing both sides. And then the son is just, you know, being the son. One of the things, I guess, was kind of a side story. I don't know if they were, go- you know, how blatant they were being with it or if they were planning on adding more. But we're supposed to get the impression that Rico isn't very popular with a lot of people because his parents are super rich, which means they never had to serve in the military. They are not civilians, but they get around that by being rich. In fact, uh, Johnny Rico was given the name Rico, which is, of course, uh, is that Spanish for uh, rich? I didn't get any of that. Not even a little bit. So if that was their intention, I don't know where they directed it. Well, you're supposed to get that from every time. Johnny Ace, is that his name? Or Ace something or other? Oh, Ace Levy? Ace Levy. Levy. Every time he talks to him, he calls him Rich Boy. Yeah, well, we know he's a rich boy. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. They're off at their prom celebration, and then we get to see everybody having feelings for each other. Right. And, you know... Dizzy comes out and just tells Johnny, I want you. And he was like, well, I want Carmen. And then Carmen's like, hey, this is Xander <laughs> from the football game. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking, uh, why can't all four of them just get along? Right. I mean, I, it is 2197. I don't know if it's wrong, but all I kept thinking was I'd rather go for Dizzy. I, I can see that. The next day. Uh, they're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and they're all going to sign up to be in the military. What do you think of the recruiter who tells Johnny, you know, the mobile infantry made me the man I am today? I, I thought that was funny. The fact that he's missing, an, what, an arm and two legs? Yeah. And then, he, you know, he says, uh, tells Carmen, we're going to need a bunch of great pilots. Congratulations. Carl comes over and goes, I got games in theory, which, you know. Military intelligence. Yep. And then he looks at Rico and he goes, what'd you get? And Rico, who scored a 35 on his math, um, an infantryman. And then they deliver that line. Mm. I, I thought it was kind of a kick to the balls to him. Really. Totally. You know, maybe uh, an eye opener. Well, I thought it was also interesting that he joined the army. I mean, it's obvi- obvious from this point that he joined the army just obviously to follow her. But as they're leaving, Carl tells him, this is probably the last time we're ever going to see each other. Yeah, and then uh, Carmen's like, oh, let's all be friends forever. Let's all agree to be friends. Yeah. No, that was Carl's idea. Oh, was it? Yeah. Are you sure? I thought it was Carmen's. I thought it was Carmen's too. But anyway, Uh, I did like uh, Rico is struggling. Should I join? Should I not join? And he sees uh, Mr. Rashek. And he says, what do you think? And what Mr. Rashik says immediately made me think of you, John. And from now on, when we ask or need to make decisions, this is what I'm going to tell you. Figuring things out for yourself is the only freedom anyone really has. Use that freedom. Make up your own mind. So there you go. And so now uh, we get a a newsfeed reel. And these newsfeed reels are pretty funny. They got the soldiers showing the little kids, hey, here's our rifles. And there shows them trying to, a couple of them trying to fight over the rifle to get it. Yeah, they got a handful of bullets. They yeah, here's, from. here's some bullets. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought these news feeds were a good break 
from what I think of a movie that's 30 minutes way too long. So, but I did like these uh, newsreels to break it up. And then I kept sprinkling us with, would you like to know more? Yeah. And so now we're at boot camp and we get to know uh, what boot camp's like. And we've seen a lot of movies that do the boot camp thing. They always do them the same too. There's always that drill sergeant who comes out and he's like, you know, one guy has to be giggling and he gets in trouble. Another person's like, you know, come fight me. Or he says, come fight me and show me what you got kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we meet Sergeant Zim. But the only difference with Sergeant Zim is his little examples that he gives to the rest of the group always ends with, medic! <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And the way he's walking up and down the line instantly flashed me back to him as Hadley. I'm I sorry. was almost thinking of Officer and a Gentleman. It just reminded me of that. Uh, when they yeah. first started up. Let me stop you right there. You've seen an officer and a gentleman. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, color me impressed, comic book guy. I like Lou Gossip Jr. How, who doesn't? I'm just saying, you know, Richard Gere, Deborah Winger. Dreamy. Hey, uh, listeners, officer and a gentleman for the comic book guy. We also meet Ace Levy, our dog soldier, if you will. Sure, sure. Uh, they're and they're all going after squad leader, and you know Rico's like I can be squad leader because he won the football game. And does she shows up? I, I like her uh, her uh, initiation, uh, her her gumption that she's willing to take on Sergeant Zim immediately. She just drops her shit and says, "Let's go!" And she lands a punch. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, good she for her. She surprised him. Yeah, good for her. But ultimately, Zim. Gets the upper hand. Did you catch the next scene where, you know, Johnny and her are having the confrontation, the bruise on her neck? I did. I did, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good attention to detail. Mm-hmm. You know. So they go through the training. Day one's over, whatnot. Did the shower scene surprise you guys? Somewhat. I, it made me wonder, you know, when did they decide that uh, it doesn't really matter if you have uh, gender-neutral bathrooms or not? Somehow, in the past of this story arc, you know, that, that came to be that... Let's just put everybody together. Yeah, but in 1997, they weren't really doing that. That was radical. Yeah, so Verhoeven was like, we're in the future. This is probably how it's going to be. Well, this is something he wanted to do in RoboCop, but he was never able to do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I thought, you know, you think about it, in the future, when you got men and women serving in the same groups and all that, maybe it just becomes normal. Plus, you're in a society where they've already revealed procreation and all of that. You have to be a civilian. You have to serve your time. So people aren't focused on more on sexuality than anything else. So it's just another thing to them. But uh, some of the shower scenes I thought was interesting when they were going around and asking everybody, you know, why did you sign up? Why did you join up? And some of the reasons that people were giving were interesting. One person wanted politics. One person wanted to have a baby. Did you get the the one about the guy who wanted to go to school? Uh, Was that... The Japanese guy? He wanted to go to Harvard. And, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And what did he say about the cost of Harvard? Cost an arm and a leg. Cost him an arm and a leg. And what happened to him on the first mission? He lost his arm and his leg? Yes, he got torn apart. And First he loses his legs, and then he gets ripped apart. So he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. And Verhoeven's my kind of director, right? They go in for this scene, and he tells, oh, everybody just get naked, and, you know, we'll we'll shoot the scene. And I think the gal who plays Dizzy's like, well, if it's so fucking easy, why aren't you naked? And so the director and the cinematographer, who was raised by nudists, got naked. And so they, they shot the whole thing naked. And, I mean, what better way to make your actors feel more relaxed? 
Never ask anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. Casper uh, Van Dyne was driving his kids to school. I think one was six, one was eight. And when he dropped the kids off, some kids at school freaked out. Apparently, they had seen the movie Starship Troopers and started yelling, Johnny Rico, Johnny Rico. And his first question to the kids were, how the hell did your parents let you watch that movie? But later on, when his kids came home, they asked him, were you really completely naked in that movie? And he's like, yep, I was completely naked. And they said, how dare you do that to us? Yeah, because that's what he was thinking of in 1996, 1997. And so we are still at boot camp. And he gets a Dear John letter. Video or, or a disc, right? A Dear yeah. John disc. And it's basically Carmen saying, you know, I'm going to go career and we probably won't last. So I'm going to break up with you. Yeah, there's no future for us. Right. So he gets kicked in the balls. Yeah. We have, uh, we go back to Carmen after the Dear John letter, the Dear John disc, and we get to see that she's going to be uh, the number two pilot for the ship. And, oh, lo and behold, look who's here. Xander's here, too. <laughs> How convenient. And then we're back to Rico, and Rico is uh, doing very well with the laser tag game that they were doing. Except they got pinned down. And Dizzy comes up with the idea of let's use one of our old jump ball plays. Well, it was the same play that we just saw where he does really all he does is run down the field and flip Mm -hmm. and catch the ball. But it works. And uh, they make him squad leader. And yeah, so he's on cloud nine. Yeah. Until the live ammunition uh, training session. Yeah. And I think this scene when I first saw it really startled me because... It was so unexpected. Yeah, what the hell are you doing taking a helmet off? Oh, so funny. So funny. Yeah, I I don't think I realized at first that was live ammunition they were going up against. So when the guy got his head blown off, it really surprised me. Oh, yeah. th- they told us it was live ammunition. Yeah. I just I don't think I I don't think I was prepared for it. And then uh the gal gets shocked and as she's falling in return, she fires her weapon. Would his helmet have saved him? It looked like he kind of got it right to the face. Right. Like he went up and out his head. Yeah. And then Rico, medic. Well, it's interesting, kind of, the actor who played the guy who got his head blown off, which, first of all, I didn't see him leaving the movie that early, so that's one of my oh-fuck moments. Uh, And the actress that shot him in the head, well, they met on the set, dated, and now have a child together. They're still together. Yeah. Rico gets reprimanded. I think my favorite part of them reprimanding him is when... uh, Rico, they're asking Rico what happened, and he says, uh, you know, did he take his helmet off? Did you tell him to take his helmet off? And he saw, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> the guy and the guy who's in charge goes, are you an expert in helmet <laughs> tech, <laughs> whatever? Repair, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. yeah. And I do like they kind of make the comment of, well, we could just kick him out, but we kind of need soldiers. Yeah, yeah. And so he takes the flogging. And he takes the whipping. It was administrative punishment, not flogging. Well, it's just flogging in the thing, ten, my doodle. Ten lashes. Ten lashes. And, uh, you know, Zim being Zim. Bite down on this, son. It helps. Because he be- he sees something in Rico. Because the, yeah. the general dude's like, do you still believe in this kid? And he was like, yeah, I do. He fucked up. He made a bad decision and someone got killed. And someone else washes out. Next thing that happens is we're back on the, st- the ship and 
Carmen and Xander, they are on third watch, and it is late night, boring, pretty much nodding to sleep. Then all of a sudden, here comes a giant asteroid. And the giant asteroid makes them, uh, at the last possible moment, uh, deviate just enough that the ship does take some, sustain some damage. And that damage is minimal because of the, the expertise that these two pilots had shown. Right. We are told early on that Carmen's really smart. And she even makes it a point to tell Xander, you know, check out my coordinates. I rerouted us and it's more efficient. But why wouldn't the computer come up with the most efficient route to begin with? Who knows? Because we needed to see how smart Carmen was. Smarter than the computer? Apparently. Okay. All right. Well, she is a nuclear physicist in Die Another Day. That's that's a different podcast for a different time. That's true. I ponder if this asteroid is the one that ends up colliding and destroying Buenos Aires. I think that is supposed to be our impression. I think so, too. Uh, Which I have a whole bunch of issues about. Uh, But... Uh, I guess the next thing is we go back to Rico washing out. Yeah, he's done. Or he's quit. He even calls home. Calls home. And And that's where we find out the asteroid is hitting Buenos Aires. Mom and dad are like, don't worry about it. Come home. We're going to take care of it. Oh, how come it's getting so dark out? (laughs) Because you're all about to die. Well, here's my question. And this has been brought up even by like the director and cast and everything. Did Did the bugs actually send that asteroid... And did they target, you know, Earth and all that? Uh, Or was that something that the military somehow set up, let through the defenses to destroy Buenos Aires to do more recruitment, to basically have an excuse to start their war? Because the war really starts after Buenos Aires. So who do you think was responsible for it? And, And I'll get the reasons why I think it wasn't the bugs is, first of all, to send it from that asteroid field by their home planet, uh, the the mathematics involved to actually hit Earth would just be crazy amount of mathematics. And I, I maybe they are capable of it, maybe they're not. It's also, according to the distance, would have taken about 56 million years for that asteroid to fly from that asteroid field to the Earth, to you know the planet. And there was also some speculation brought up in the movie that it was the humans going to the planets that had started the conflict with the bugs. So who do you think was really responsible for that asteroid? The bugs. You think so? I go with the bugs too. And even though all that stuff floats out there and like that, I don't care. I'm just going with what the movie tells me. And that's it. It's what the movie tells me. Nowhere ever does what they're saying come up. Well, the other thing, too, with all of their advanced technology, and maybe, you know, those guns that could shoot the asteroids out came out after the whole Buenos Aires things, but before it hit Buenos Aires, there should have been some alarms going off, some sirens, something. You're telling me that they couldn't see an asteroid, you know, 10 miles from Earth, 20 miles from Earth, 100 miles from Earth. They didn't know that it was coming towards Earth. There was no, no sirens, no warnings, no nothing. Nope, there wasn't. I think they wanted the deaths. I think they wanted to start the conflict and they needed an excuse. Well, there you go. You know what to do. Come on, all you apes, you want to live forever? An invasion force is deployed to Klandathu, the Arachnids' home planet, but military intelligence underestimates the Arachnids' defensive abilities, leading to thousands of casualties. Badly wounded, Rico is rescued by Lieutenant Jean Rashik his former high school teacher. 
but is mistakenly reported dead, devastating Carmen. Following his recovery, Rico, Dizzy, and squadmate Ace Levy join Rashik's elite unit, the Roughnecks. Rico's valor in battle earns him the rank of corporal, especially for taking down a gigantic tanker bug on Tango Irilla, and he develops a romantic relationship with Dizzy. Responding to a distress signal on Planet P, the Roughnecks discover an arachnid-ravaged outpost and are ambushed by the bugs. Carmen and Xander recover their surviving Roughnecks by dropship, but not before Dizzy is mortally wounded and Rico is forced to mercy kill the mutilated Rashak. The group returns to the fleet assembled in orbit above P, where Dizzy is eulogized. Would you like to know more? So the uh, the washout scene of Rico walking out and then the Buenos Aires news coming in. I, I liked how the commander and Sergeant Zim uh, decide to let Rico come back in. Is this your signature? Yes, sir. The dude turns his back. Doesn't look like it to me. But did you catch the conversation they were having just before he comes in? Zim wants to go to... Uh, he wants to go to combat. He wants to go to combat. And the Colonel General dude's like, not unless you want to go back to private. You're staying right here. Mm-hmm. So. But then, Foreshadowing? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought of you, comic book guy. We get a little war montage. I swear to God, they are looking so Nazi in their uniforms now. What are these news... Uh, programs or news interruptions that we get. And I don't know if it's at this point is where they start to kind of drop the hints about the brain bug that they're suspected that there's a brain bug out there. And I liked when they had the debate, the two people debating of one, she's, she's saying that there's this higher intelligence and all that. And he's like, I find that an insult to, you know, say that bugs have intelligence. Did that not kind of remind you of some of the debates going on today in politics? Oh, absolutely. I felt like, Oh my God, they were ahead of the time because that's exactly what we got going on. They're, they weren't ahead of the time. They were doing exactly what was happening then, which, incidentally, is still happening now. The kids stopping the cockroaches? Yes. Yeah, yeah with mayonnaise and these little packets, whatever they were. <laughs> do, do your part. Yeah, yeah. And then, did you notice, though, like the mom or whatever it was to the side of the kids was so overly excited and exuberant that they were squashing the bugs? I did. I, she was a little bit too excited. I felt like she was on crack or something. Yeah, probably. Carmen and Rico happen into each other, and then after that, we get a a, a little brawl taking place, and and then they have the matching tattoos put on their shoulders. Well, during that brawl, uh, apparently Casper uh, Van Dyne really did punch the guy in the face and split his lip. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for him. So in an interview, the other actor said, "Yeah, he hits hard." Yeah, and so uh, Carmen and. Rico have a moment, but that's all it is because they got to go and Rico's all pissed off now. And so what do you do? You get tattoos. So now we're about halfway through the movie and we're finally headed into combat. Yes. And I got to say, there there's some pretty uh, grisly deaths that take place over the next four minutes. Was there one that stood out to you? Uh, no, not necessarily. When the, news, when the newscaster guy is being... Uh, tortured by the bug and the cameraman just continues to stand there and film it. It's like, <laughs> and then the shul- the soldiers show up and they start firing and the cameraman's still filming it. Yeah. And in the beginning, we're getting the point of view of the camera. And now in this part, we're getting to see outside of the camera. Mm-hmm. And I liked yeah. how the camera guy was up so close to what guy can get. So he was obviously going to get, you know, taken out next. Oh yeah. 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 Totally. 
I like the bit where in one of the newsreels, uh, it shows it shows them feeding a cow to the arachnid, but it's as censored as mm-hmm. it's ripping it apart. But then we cut to another feed, and there's bodies everywhere yeah. without heads, without limbs, without faces. That was an on-purpose thing because they're trying to show that people don't like seeing animals mutilated but the government was trying to desensitize them to the deaths of humans. Yeah, well, it fucking worked. Would you like to know more? (laughs) And so uh, Johnny gets hurt, like we saw in the beginning. He's mistakenly KIA'd. When that, uh, whatever it was from the bug, comes down and goes through his legs, was that an oh fuck moment for you? Because that looked brutal to me. How did the leg stay on that thing was so big? I don't know. And that's what she said. But compared to all the other viscerations, I mean, I, it was kind of tame. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I like when the bugs throw a body up in the air and then they grab it and then they rip it in half. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were some clever ways that the humans were getting taken out. Yeah. So. And they were obviously just not prepared, which is, I thought was so funny with all of, you know, our weaponry in the military and all that, that. The first thing they didn't do when they come to these planets is just carpet bomb the planets. See, you are giving humans too much credit. Like, you think they were too cocky at this point? They were, and they even get called on it. they That's what the movie points out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when they're flying in, uh, they these blue rays or these blue things of energy are supposed Plasma to be harmless. Blast, yeah, yeah. And, but they're not. They're blowing ships up. And the captain's like, this is wrong. This, this is, this, something's not right here. Somebody made a fucking mistake. I felt like they were plasma poops from the yeah. Beatles. Yeah, why though? Because it was coming out of their ass. They were shitting on them. <laughs> Shit goes up, then comes down. And so uh, clearly a trap. And and the, the casualties. Did you did you look at the, the, the numbers? Was it 130,000 or just 100,000? So... It was 100,000 in the first hour. But then when we have Carmen looking for Rico and she goes up to the big board and she types in his name, uh-huh. before she gets there, it's uh, the casualties are 300,000. Uh, there's 21,000 missing in action, but only 2,000 wounded. Why are there so few wounded? And what do they say? The bugs don't take prisoners. Yeah. Bugs don't take prisoners. Yeah. Fucking brutal. But which is funny because they say that because later on the bugs do take prisoners. And so, uh, yeah, Rico is dead, but he's not dead. He goes to uh, the um, he goes to the Empire Strikes Back uh, water healing tank, back, back tank, or whatever they call it. Oh, is that what it is? Is it a back? No, it's not back team. Well, basically, it's, they they refer to it. Even the director referred to it as the Luke Skywalker uh, healing yes, tank. Yes, that was just one of I think two or three. Star Wars references they had in this movie. Did you catch the Millennium Falcon on the ship? No. Uh, flying through space, one of the ships had a little Millennium Falcon parked on the bottom of it. No. I they put that on purpose in there. Yeah. Uh, if I ever go back and watch this movie, I'll look mm-hmm. for it. And then we find out who saved Rico. He gets introduced. They get sent to the new squad, and they're part of the Roughnecks. And I thought it was funny that uh, we know it's Rashek. They know it's Rashek, but later on when they go into battle, doesn't it seem like Rashek goes, oh, yeah, you're fucking Rico. Yeah, I, I yeah, Doesn't that seem weird? Too. Yes. I figured he hadn't really connected with any of his students. He was just there to help recruit. Oh, I well, what about that whole scene of the prom? I think he just, you know, he was just talking to another student. Yeah. 
I don't. Like, it, it, how much time had passed, too, is the question. A year. Had it been a year? That's so, what it said. One year earlier. I, I chalked it up to that he is dealing with some PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And so he's he's scarred with all of the, the death and carnage that he's seen. But he does have a shiny new hand. Yes. Yes, he does. And so there's this big tanker bug, and Rico jumps on the back of it, shoots a hole in it, drops a bomb in it, and... You know, this whole time, I was also thinking what you were thinking, John. You have all of these bugs running on the ground. Why are you not just dropping napalm and nukes? and Which we finally get to see now. Right. You know, they soften them up. Yeah. We finally, finally get to see that. Now, part of what I understand is if you watch some of the scenes, the bugs are mostly underground. They're hiding in the tunnels. But I would still, I mean, you think they could napalm into those tunnels or whatever. They don't need all the ground troopers to come in. You know, if ever to really have them come in and clear things out until everything is already wiped out. That's kind of what I'm saying. So I guess they do kind of reveal, especially for this planet, is that, um, or was it, yeah, the, the second planet was that they suspected a bug or a brain bug there. And that's why they didn't want to destroy everything. They wanted to capture the bug. So after uh, Rico kills the big bug and Rashek gives him the promotion, uh, we have uh, some R&R time. And this is finally where Rico and Dizzy hit it. Well, that's because Rashek finally says to him, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. She's basically offering it up. And what are you doing? Pining away from some other girl. Yeah, I mean, if, which- I mean if, that, if that's what you got out of his three lines, then... Kudos to well, you, Well, he was basically saying you could be dead tomorrow. He's just saying don't pass up a good thing. Yeah. And so That's Johnny said. And Johnny smartly doesn't. Yeah. However, kind of a kick to the balls, though, right? You have this great night. You're finally getting somewhere. And then the next day, she going to die. In so, your arms. Yeah. But not before you have to shoot Rashek in the head. What did you guys in the chest? Well, whatever. What did you guys think of this whole uh, ambush thing or this whole setup at the outpost and just this whole bit? Well, it's another thing I don't think I caught the first time through was when they talked about, you know, they showed the guy has gotten his brain sucked out that the brain butter actually had forced him to send the stress call that lured him there. So, yeah, the bugs had planned all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what I don't get is. Why are you walking to the outpost? Why aren't why aren't you just being airdropped down, you know, with a drop ship? Just go fly straight to the camp. Good question. I, I agree with you, and I think at some point you got to throw all logic out the window because up in space you're not going to have any flame. So how how are all those fires possible? I thought about that, and I was thinking that the fires are possible if there's leaking air from the ships, the oxygen from the ships. But they wouldn't last that long. No. So I'm just saying. I'm well, just saying. I, I thought about it too, but I went, eh, so what? But yet, why are they not being airdropped right into the middle of the fucking what, outpost? What did you think of the general guy running around yelling, we're all going to die? You knew he was going to die. Yeah, and you knew he was going to be crazy when he got out of the fucking closet. I like how he became a smear. Yeah. And then I like how Rashek's just like, sir, keep your fucking head on. And so we do find out it's a trap, and they're getting their asses handed to them. And that, is, they, that is a lot of bugs. That is a lot of bugs. And they call down for a pilot, and they say, well, you better have one crazy pilot. And they've been calling Carmen a crazy pilot from the beginning of the movie, so we know here comes Carmen. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know that Rico's still alive. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Dizzy gets it. 
Yeah, which is another scene that kind of bothered me is, did you notice that one of the times she got spiked, uh, the little spike thing was still in her? They pulled that thing out. If they had left that in, she wouldn't have bled out as much. But maybe the other wounds would have done her in. I don't know. But leaving that thing in would have stopped some of the blood flow. Yeah, maybe. Neither one of you have ever had a first aid CPR training class? Yeah, I have. Well, that's one of the things they teach you. Just don't take it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what she said. Not in 2197. Not when you're not being dropped into the middle of the outpost. Not when there's so much fucking fire in space. The actress, uh, Dina Meyer, Meyer, she actually asked the director, why do I have any lines during this? Because didn't those two bugs, or didn't that bug just stab me a couple times through the lungs? Wouldn't I not be able to speak? Well, and he and goes, you got to have some death words. Yeah, you, you got to say goodbye, right? Yeah. Johnny never tells her he loves her. She mm. tells him. But she knows that. That he does? That he does not. Yeah, maybe. But she had him. You know, and so, so she could die happy. She could die happy because for a moment, he was hers. That's right. So did that scene at all elicit any emotions from you? Did you get any little tear in the eye? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that a serious question? Yeah. Yeah, no. No? Anything from you? No. Did you no. cry? I didn't cry, but I thought it was a sad scene. I knew it was coming, but I felt bad for her because I kind of, you know, you want to root for her. Oh. Well, we do have a little ceremony that happens right yeah. afterwards for her. Very uh, Star Trek-ish. Very Star Trek-ish. She, yeah. re- she actually returns, I think, in the third movie. Oh, don't tell me that. But she returns as a memory. She doesn't return as... Oh, good. Yeah. That makes more sense. And I like how she's the only one in the entire military to get this kind of send-off. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, then again, it was the only body brought back. Oh, good point, Professor. Good point. So she represents everybody that died down there on, the, on planet P. That's right. I felt like she got her Spock send-off. Then we have Carl showing up looking like Joseph Goebbels. Yes. And he's like, there's a brain bug out there, guys. And he promotes Rico to lieutenant. I like how Carl refers to him as now. Listen here, boys and girls. Yeah. Like he's so much older than them. You're it until you're dead or I find someone better. Welcome to the Roughnecks. Jenkins, now a high-ranking colonel, reveals the Roughnecks were deliberately ordered into the trap justifying it as a necessary sacrifice to confirm the existence of a brain bug, an intelligent arachnid strategically directing the others. He assigns Rico command of the Roughnecks and Field promotes him to lieutenant, instructing him to return to P and capture the brain bug. As the battle commences, Carmen's ship is destroyed by the arachnids, leaving her and Xander stranded in an escape shuttle that crashes into an underground tunnel system. The pair are captured by the arachnids, and the brain bug uses its proboscis to consume Xander's brain, absorbing his knowledge. Rico directs his squad to complete their mission, while he, Ace, and their squad mate Watkins rescue Carmen and hold the arachnids at bay with a miniature nuclear bomb. The brain bug escapes while the arachnids attack and fatally wound Watkins, who sacrifices himself by detonating the bomb while his teammates escape. On the surface, they learn that Zim has captured the brain bug and the assembled troops rejoice as Jenkins psychically detects it's afraid. A propaganda broadcast details how the brain bug is being evasively studied to learn its secrets and ensure humanity's victory. The advert encourages viewers to enlist and do their part in the war so they can become like Carmen, now a captain of her own ship, and Rico, who enthusiastically leads his troops into another battle battle roll credits so 
they just got their asses kicked and they find out it's a trap and Jenkins comes down and says, yeah, dude, we totally set you up. But the good news is we found the fucking brain bug. So you're going back. Going back to Cali. And now it's Rico's Roughnecks. That's right. And we get to see his raw new recruits, all the little kids that are now with him. Right. They look even younger than before. You have Carmen's ship ended uh, in the middle of the drop-off. Carmen's ship is hit, and it's split in half. I thought that was a pretty good-looking split, looking at all of the different decks on the ship. as it, We got two different perspectives of it, and I, I like the way that it looked. Yeah. One, one thing I was watching for was you notice, like, when they went into the ships, you could see people getting sucked out. Yeah. But when they went in the distance and they showed the split ship uh, cut in half— I didn't see any people floating around. I saw a couple. I saw, I saw a couple. You got to look really hard. Yeah. Okay. But they were there. And so um, the ship gets destroyed. The captain gets killed. And Carmen and Xander got to make an escape. So they get into a shuttle. And they crash land on the planet. But, and, they, get, but they do get their distress signal overheard by Ace. Right. And he tells Rico. And so they start to make their way that way. But Rico says she's dead. He, he, th- because it cuts to static. And then from there, um, you have Watkins saying, so are we still sending somebody? And then he tells them, no, she's already dead. And so they continue on with their, with their mission. Right. And it's not until they get down into the tunnels where Rico has a hunch to go a different direction in the thought that he thinks that maybe Carmen might be down there. Did you guys think that was odd at first? Yes. I thought at first that it was just that still he loved her and he just had a, a good guess at, that she's, you know, I've got to go find out for myself. Sure, sure. I thought it was a little weird, uh, but I got to say, I kind of like the payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. It was a nice little wraparound. But he does send he does send the rest of his troops on and he asks for two volunteers. One of my thoughts was when uh, Carmen's crashing her ship and it hits the side of that mountain and goes through that mountain, they had no idea they were going to be able to go through that mountain in tunnels. I felt like they both would have pissed themselves right there. Uh, true that. I thought there's no way they get through that side of the mountain. They're, blugs, they're bug splatter on the side of the mountain. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. not how it happened. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. And now we get to introduce to the brain bug. What do you guys think of this big fucking thing? Yeah, that was a good looking creepy thing. It was creepy. It was pretty creepy with all the eyes and then that proboscis thing that comes out. Yeah, that wasn't... Uh, Didn't look sexual at all. Not at all. Not at all. What do you think of the goop and everything? And Again, not sexual at all. Especially the mouth where it comes out of? The big vagina. Again, not sexual at all. Mm-hmm. Paul Beerhoven. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of the bit where uh, Xander gets it? Did, did, did it kind of warm your heart a little? No, why? Because he was kind of a douche the whole movie. What made him? What made him douchey? Uh, going after another guy's girlfriend in the beginning when he basically said she's fair game, so just treating her like a piece of meat, uh, and other than that, just starting the fight with him and over a girl. He just kind of gave me a douchey vibe the whole movie. <laughs> you didn't like the way his hair looked. That's, That's what, what it was. was. That's what yeah, it was. He didn't okay. like. He didn't like anyone moving in on Casper's girl. Apparently, you were never in high school. Um, yeah, I didn't think he was douchey. I think I think he comes around. I think he starts off as douchey, but after when he, when at this bit when he's gonna get it, I mean, 
He gives Carmen the knife. He wants her to protect herself. I did find that. I think he. I I think he really does like Carmen. Oh, he does. I think he he is infatuated from the beginning. And she's not with Rico anymore. Yeah. So. Didn't stop him before though. Well, so what? So you're still hung up from the football game. That's where they first meet. The football game. Yeah. That's where you're hung up. Oh yeah. This guy cannot let things go. No. And that's okay. That's who he is. But Xander does get it. Uh, what did you guys think of this bit? What did you think of this effect? That, that's quite the ugly way to go. But I thought it looked pretty good. With yeah. the brain going through the straw? Yeah. It yeah. was gross, and you go, yeah, yeah. It's fucking gross. Face compacting. Yeah. And then you, you and then you see the brain bugs, and it looks like it's just something from a straw. Yeah. Didn't it's they have like, It kind of had like a sound like it was going through a straw, too. Oh, it was very... <laughs> yeah, you're good at that, buddy. Good job. Good job. And... Just before Carmen is to suffer from the same fate, God bless her with the knife. She gives that thing a nice little whack. And the thing comes right off. What did you think of that? That was pretty fucking gross. Yeah, that was good, though. Well, yeah. it started to spew out the whatever it was. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And Rico and his team Here find Carmen. comes to save the day. Watkins gets injured, but he's going to pull the... You know, the Vasquez and all the other movies where the guy's not going to make it, so he's going to set the bomb off to give everyone a fighting chance. Yeah, staying behind. Yeah. Didn't he sound like Hudson? A little bit. A little bit. Oh, you want some? Yep. So when Rico and Party make it out of the cave, uh, they see that the brain bug actually has been captured. Here comes Carl. I kept thinking throughout this movie, when they kept talking about these nukes, Obviously, there must be some kind of mini nuke, but how do you run away from a nuke explosion? Very carefully. No, very quickly. I'll say very fast. <laughs> very nice. They catch the brain bug. They're going to start learning about the enemy. Uh, Carmen gets her own ship. Well, Re- we learned too. Rico that- now. Uh, Rico's now the man. What do you think of the you know the tie-in at the end here? The right coming around that it was Zim that caught the brain bug. And gets all the credit. Oh, I thought that was funny because they make it a point to call him private. Yeah. And it they already said it earlier, you know. So I thought it was very fitting and, you know, good for him. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to do his part mm-hmm. and he got it done. So just before this, we do get the reveal that Carl was most likely responsible for sending Rico down the other cave shaft to get Carmen. But it's classified. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a nice little touch too. And then... It bugs me every single time I watch the movie. You know, everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. You have Carl on one side. You have Johnny on the other. And, you know, Carmen, she has her arms around and all three of them are smiling. And she has, you know, (laughs) a one foot hole through her chest that she just feels better with now. I thought that, too, when they were running through the caves and everything. At no point does she like, you know, she's moving her arm around. She's even using the gun. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. She has this giant hole in her shoulder. Fire in space, guys. That's all I'm going to say. Fire in space. So And so uh, the movie ends with hope. Hope yes. that we are learning about the enemy and that we will win. More propaganda movie. This fodder. That's right. And you have your last little sexual reference of that thing going into the brain bug. Censored. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. <laughs> so... Starship Troopers. They'll fight, and they'll win. Have you guys seen the sequels? No, and I have no desire to. Zero. I, I have seen at least a couple of them once. Would you like to know more? Uh, in fact, I think no. I, I think I even just watched one of the last ones that came out, because I think there's five total. 
Oh, for fuck's sakes. Why? Why? I know. Why? I think of this kind of like the Tremors vibe, right? Tremors was good. It didn't need sequels, but it got 12 of them. Starship Troopers was decent and passable, but it didn't need 1,800 sequels. No, they, they obviously, they a lot, these movies were just money plays to try to get a little bit more cash on the cult status of the first movie, um, which you're right. They, they weren't needed, and they really don't add much more to the story. I agree. Speaking of tremors, Phil Tippett is responsible for creating these uh, creatures digitally. And I guess that he was also creating the Tremors creatures at the same time. Yeah. yeah. These creatures, the design was originally supposed to be the Shriekers in Tremors. Oh, really? From the first, They were going to use them in the first movie as Shriekers, uh, but they decided for some reason against it, and that's how they got used for this movie. Oh, well, there you go. And listeners, nice. I, I don't know if you know Phil Tippett's other work. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't, and you just don't know that you do. But he is largely responsible for our graphics that we get in Jurassic Park. Phil Tippett, uh, there was, there's a documentary. Yes, about the Star Wars universe. No, it's, a, it's specifically about Phil Tippett. It is specifically about Phil Tippett. Because he, because... Was that in the Industrial Light and Magic one that's on yes. Disney? I thought there was one that was just solely... Phil Tippett? Yeah. Because I do remember listening to that story. Yeah. Curious. Curious. Anyways, Phil Tippett, ladies and gentlemen, master of visual effects. Did you know we were supposed to get a remake of this movie? I had heard something about that a long time ago. The plans for it pretty much got shelved around COVID. It was going to be a movie that was going to be more based off of the book and more pro-military and less uh, kind of making fun of the military. All right. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, man. You you could be all gung-ho military and see that message in this movie. And certainly, it's not the first time that a movie deviates from its origin from a book. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know how many different ways you think you want to tell the story or how many different ways you think you need to tell the story. I think the story is pretty cut and dry. I think John just wants a longer shower scene. Who doesn't? I was just about to say that. Thank you. And now it's time for John's. Hey, John, isn't this usually where we do precious moments? Yes, it typically is. But we were thinking since it's a brand new year, maybe we try something new. So I was looking for some ideas for a movie out there that I could use as an analogy for any movie we review. So, listeners, if you have an idea of a movie you think I should use, or maybe a series of movies I can rotate and use to compare our, you know, the movies we review future, please go ahead and send them to us. You can use our form on our website that you can submit movies to send us the movie ideas that you'd like me to use as analogies. Could be something like Wizard of Oz or whatever. Give us some ideas. We'd love to hear them. All right. Uh, I, have a, I have a request. I, I have an idea. Do you want to hear it? I guess. I want you to compare every movie we review to Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is a great suggestion. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that with all the movies that I have submitted into the helmet. Oh, you uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Used it against me. All right. What do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John, are you ready to rate this flick? Sir, I am locked cocked and ready to review this movie sir 
I like that one. That was pretty good. I, I, I that was am, pretty good. Yeah, I am pretty impressed with that. And I think, you know, getting off, uh, should we start rating these instead, giving these grades? Because for that particular one, I am going to give you a fucking solid A minus. I'm right there at an A minus. That was good. I have to admit, that kind of hurt a little. <laughs> hey, Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. A one fuck movie is a movie where we watch it and you're done and you go, eh, I'm never going to watch that again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is, oh, for shit's sake. What the hell? Why did you make me? I want two hours and nine minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, Professor, your movie, you're up. Starship Troopers is a movie that I have known for a long time. I saw it a long time ago. There was a, uh, a website that I used to follow many years ago where they would uh, track the weekly uh, movie uh, earnings. And the guy just did it uh, as a little pet project. And... I would occasionally uh, ping him with something or other. And one of the things that I was struck by was, this is one of his favorite movies. And I said, are you f serious? How can this be one of your favorite movies? And he responds back with, I just like it. And I, and I have come to be kind of sort of in that camp as well, that I just kind of like it. It's, it's kind of a guilty little pleasure. The characters are nothing uh, extraordinary. The actors, I don't know them from many other places. You know, I, I know my Clancy Brown. I know my, you know, Neil Patrick Harris and my Michael Ironside. But the rest of them, I only know them just for this. The action sequences that take up maybe almost half of this movie are just compelling to watch. The deaths are so gruesome and, and, and the gore is so over the top. It is... Um, a classic example of a Paul Verhoeven movie. It's not my, it's not my ticket that I want every time, but every once in a while it, it I find it interesting uh, how much I'll just sit there and be captivated by it. The characters story arcs, they're passable. The characters, uh, how they end. It's, I'm glad that not everybody makes it out alive because they shouldn't, because you know, it's, it's a war story. The uh, militaristic attitude that the movie conveys is uh, captivating to watch through all the little mini commercials. It is kind of a long watch, though, uh, and I, I ponder, you know, ah, geez, you know, I, I guess it could be shorter. I think for me, I'm going to give this movie 3.75 fucks. 3.75 fucks from the professor. Sir, would you like me to go next? Sir? Sir, no, I will be going next. Sir, do you get me? I get you. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep shaking your head. Keep shaking your head. Starship Troopers. I remember when I saw it way back when, and I thought it was fun. And, you know, for all the messages it has, it's fine and dandy. To me, it's another science fiction war movie uh, I guess in my head, it's trying to be aliens. It's trying to be movies that we've kind of seen. And the thing about Paul Verhoeven is that he does do a lot of things that are over the top. If you look at his other movies, like we've said, uh, Robocop and Total Recall specifically, they're just kind of fun rides. And I, 
I would love to get behind Starship Troopers, but the sad fact is, for me, it's just way too fucking long, and I was losing interest, and by the time we get to Rico rescuing Carmen and the end of it, I'm just kind of checked out. And, you know, the effects were good. The acting is passable. Uh, the set design, it was fine. Uh, the score is, was very uh, action movie e, But I think at the end of the day, Starship Troopers isn't going to be a movie that I will probably go seek anytime soon. If it's on, I'll probably skip it. So for those reasons, I'm giving Starship Troopers 2.75 fucks. Sir, it is now your turn, sir. Sir, thank you, sir. So, brand new year, Don. Do you want to guess what my rating might be? Uh, I'll give it a shot. Starship Troopers. Science fiction. Fascism. War. And boobs. Boobs. Three fucks. Final answer. The first time I watched Starship Troopers, it was a fun, action-filled gore fest of a movie that gave the impression it didn't take itself too seriously. It was like watching an A movie trying to be a B movie. And I get the director was trying to give a critical viewpoint of where society might be heading with fascism and things like that. Now, when I watch this movie today, that's not a message I got the first time I watched it. This new viewpoint makes it almost an original film for me and a whole new beast of a movie that I find myself feeling a bit guilty for enjoying certain parts as much as I do. But at the same time, I also appreciate the movie in a different light for how the director gets his message across and gives us something to think about long after the movie ends. The casting in this movie, it was a little subpar. It was okay. I didn't feel that there was anyone in the main cast who really stood out above anyone else and that couldn't have been replaced with any other actors. Although I did feel like, as I mentioned earlier, Dina Meyer did a great job with some nonverbal cues showing us her feelings towards Rico. We could feel what she was feeling without her ever saying anything. And her death, while a bit over the top, still does kind of give me that little tear-up feeling. Clancy Brown? You can never go wrong with Clancy Brown. And Michael Ironside? Well, he's always amazing, even though he's always delivering the same character. The CGI worked well. I didn't find it distracting as can happen from over-CGI'd movies. The aliens looked believable and menacing. The space scenes looked okay, but a little hokey, but that was kind of a sign of that time. Overall, it's a fun watch with a reason to revisit if you haven't in a while, but if you have seen it you know, recently, it's not really a movie you need to go back or that you long to see again. If you go into the movie with a different viewpoint, watching it for specific fascist cues, it does become an entirely different movie. So for those reasons, I'm giving Starship Troopers three fucks. Nice. Well, there you go. With 3.75 fucks from the professor, 2.75 fucks from me, and three fucks from the comic book guy that gives Starship Troopers an average of 3.2 fucks, which now puts it in the 22nd spot, tied with Ratatouille, Galaxy Quest, Red Dawn, The Last Samurai, and Bloodsport. It is slightly better than Catch Me If You Can, Flash Gordon, and The Untouchables, and slightly worse than Robocop, Roadhouse, 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Chef. And and to start off the new year, Don, your batting average, you are starting out the new year at 775. Well, I'm one for one. That's 100%. But overall. Oh, overall. Overall. It's so, a brand new season. So I got rid of my 69? Yes. Oh. But you went up. You went from 769 to 775. Fair point. So, yes. Fair point. So for this season, you're batting 1,000. All right. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out the website. Speaking of which, John, where can they find us? Well, they can find us at threeguysinaflick.com, where we go ahead and post all of our podcasts, show notes, and anything else we feel like, there's also a form on there where you can go ahead and submit a movie you would like us to review next. It's also a great place to go and, like we mentioned earlier, suggest what you would like us to do for our future precious moments. What movie should we compare all the movies we review to for that little segment that we do? Uh, you can also find us at uh, all of social media as well as any place that hosts podcasts. And something we'd like you to do if you are listening to us on Spotify, Podbeam, wherever you, whatever podcast channel you are listening to, please go ahead and give us a, you know, a like or a comment or something. We'd really like to push, you know, up our listener base for this year. All right. I just want to thank Ashley P for submitting Starship Troopers. Uh, we had a lot of fun watching it and discussing it. Uh, we hope you have fun listening to it. Hopefully you weren't yelling at the radio too much. And if you have a comment, let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the three guys. I also want to thank anyone who listens and who has submitted a movie. If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Would you like to know more? I just want to thank Casper Van Dyne for taking the time and sharing his stories with us. Hopefully you won't be coming to hunt us down. But just in case you do, Ken's address is 153. This bit kind of made me laugh when they're dissecting the, the bug. Uh, what science class doesn't make you wear gloves? I don't know. I guess one that's uh, when you're doing bugs. Oh, for fuck's sake, you guys are killing me. Moment of truth. What do you got? You want to hear mine first? Yeah. Star. Wait, wait. Let me try and guess. Starship poopers. Close. Starfish. Star oh. Starstrip poopers. Oh, I like the starstrip. I don't know if poopers. But fancy. I like your starfish poopers. Right, That'd because be isn't what uh, doesn't Peacemaker say? Isn't starfish slang for butthole? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I feel like we're in the wrong business. Uh, we should be naming porn movies. We should be making them. Oh, interesting. We already got our star here. That's a hot take. Who, Professor? Oh, yeah. Uh, Listeners, the Professor really, really wants showgirls. So let's (laughs) let's throw showgirls in there. No. Talk talk about absurd. He's like, okay. He's like, shut up, dude, man. He listens to this. (laughs) All right. May all of your uh, days and nights be filled with happiness. 
All right, fuck off. Good night. Time.